You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and APK for your music. Our listeners can go to bandzoogle.com to try it out for free for 30 days. And if you enjoy it, you can use the promo code THESETUP to get 15% off your first year of any subscription. Missed you. Missed you too. How have you been? Things have been crazy. I saw all the things that you've been doing. I feel like life has been a little bit crazy for us recently. Got back from Tulum, um, first time there. And let me tell you, it was wild. You only saw a little snippet of the videos that I tried making because I kept relying on other people. So there's like hundreds of other photos and stuff of what we did, which is nice to have like go on a trip with like 10 other girls. I feel like I've been trying to check Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook and uh, you did not deliver. I know. <laughs> I'm honestly, me and Eileen kept trying to tell each other like, yeah, let's take some photos, but we just kept like having a blast. Yeah. And to be honest, when I know that there's other girls constantly taking snaps and videos, I just rely on that. True, true. You could, you, you could probably see that you know, a lot of the videos I was sharing was people tagging me in them. Yep. And I did not like how the focus was not on you, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, that's just me. Yeah. Just wanted to let the listeners know what's been going on. First off, just want to say thank you for hanging in there, everyone. Sorry for the last couple of weeks. Like we said, things are going crazy, but we are back this week. So that's good. We only took off two weeks um, and hopefully that won't happen again. I guess never say never. Absolutely. And in case um, you all missed our last episode, we learned how Cheyenne used press coverage to help Fed the God reach 2 million streams for the release of Yeah Yup. Samantha, I need to ask, who do we have this week? Well, Sydney, we have Susan Hazendonk. She leads Spinning Records team as the head of global marketing, overseeing the leading Dutch labels, product management, promotion, streaming, radio, and marketing departments. Her career in the music industry started at Warner Benny Lux in the late 2000s, but she, her seeds of passion for music, particularly dance music, were first planted as a kid when she stumbled on the raw and energetic rave sounds of the 90s. In the years since, Susan has climbed the ranks of the industry, gaining hands-on experience with acts like Michael Buble, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Bruno Mars. 
Today, we are discussing how Suzanne used data to identify key markets and help Funger buy Lumex go platinum around the world. I'm really excited because this is our first time talking with someone in the Dutch market. Hey. Good morning. Yeah, morning. Or, or good evening. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for still having this call with us. I'm Sam. I'm the one that reached out to you. And this Hi. is my twins. And this is my twin sister, Sydney. So really excited that you're here. So <laughs> I think Sydney's probably going to take over a lot of the questions um, because I sound like poop. <laughs> <laughs> Did you party too hard? Was that it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bernie, so I can just tell you, I got back. I got back from Tulum, Mexico last night from a bachelorette party um, because, yeah. yeah, so I have so it's, you know, we're in that time, me and Sydney are 30 and basically, including my sister, she's getting married this year. So like I have five weddings, four bachelorette parties. Wow. So it's going to be a crazy year. Sounds like fun though. I'm getting married actually in two and a half months. Oh, wow. wow. Sydney, yeah. that's like the same time I will say oh my god Tulum the music is absolutely my favorite I have not yeah. heard of not one song that I hated anywhere not in restaurants not on wow. the streets it was the only city that I felt that way so it is so cool. great yeah it was amazing between Latin and then like techno kind of house it was the best yeah. it was fantastic so just to start how did you get started in music um, I started out in 2008 in the industry, actually through an internship. Um, I studied, studied commercial economics and um, I was taking some minors into entertainment marketing. So that landed me at Universal, where I did an internship for like six months, was my final one. And I really wanted to stay over there because the company was actually amazing. But there wasn't a spot left. But unfortunately, they recommended me to a management company. Uh, and I stayed there for a few months. And then Warner Music called in 2009. So not even a year later. And I started out there and I stayed there for seven years in different roles, started out as an assistant, did that for a few months again. Uh, and then there was a spot available in the marketing team. And I was like, maybe that's a bit of a stretch after just six months coming out of school. But I was like, let's just give it a try. Why not? And I got the job and I became a product manager, a marketing manager, brand manager, project manager. There are multiple titles for it. Um, did that a few years and then headed the department as head of media and dance music because they always knew of my love for dance music. <laughs> uh, so did that a while and then spinning records called, which for me was like the holy grail, so to say, the biggest label in dance music. And that's, that was really where my heart was at. So um, I made a leap. And that's another seven years ago. So I'm in the music industry for 14 years and dedicated to dance music for almost, no, more, more than seven. Did you know that you always wanted to be in dance music? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that always tells. Like when you were like five years old and that big, you always told, told me I'm going to work in dance music. Yes. It's really funny, actually. Is that your favorite type of genre as well? Uh, Yes, definitely. 
but I think I've acquired a bit of a broader taste over the past few years. But I really grew up with dance music. My dad was a huge fan. Uh, my uncle went to all these parties all the time. So I had some good examples. Uh, so I started listening to dance music when I was really young um, and became a bit of a party animal myself. So, yeah, it was always um, my, my number one love. But I also, I mean, I love hip hop. I love pop music. It, my, my taste is really broad. And I think that that sort of happened during my days at One in Music when um, I was working with artists like, I don't know, Ed Sheeran, but also Bruno Mars and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Michael Bublé, you know, it was very broad. So it sort of learned you to at least, you know, um, acquire a certain taste in, in different genres. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel the same way because, you know, it's funny when I, you know, when I originally reached out to you, I think I even said this in the message. I'm like, oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then I saw other because I did see like dance music. I'm like, ooh, that's going to be interesting to talk about. Just, you know, the different genres that um, folks like yourself are doing yeah. marketing or, or helping promote for. And it's it's just fantastic. I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers is my favorite band. So, but yeah. but dance music, but dance music is probably one of my favorite to go to concerts too. Yeah. Um, especially because it's just so upbeat a lot of it, and so everyone tends to be super happy. It's always very <laughs> uplifting. Yeah. Yes. Speaking a little bit more towards like the company that you work at, spinning. Yeah. How is that like structured and made up, and where do you fit in amongst the mix? Yeah, um, we have about 85 people working for, for Spinning Records. Uh, most of us are based in, in the Netherlands, but we have a few people abroad as well. Uh, we recently hired some people in, in China, in the US, in the UK. So we are expanding quite rapidly. Um, I am the global head of marketing, so I am heading several departments within Spinning, the, the project managers. Um, so the ones who are actually coming up with the release strategies for all of our artists and their singles, uh, but also press, um, radio falls under my wings, the stream team, what we call it. So everyone who is actively pitching Spotify, Amazon, Apple, I mean, every DSP you can think of. Since we work on a global scale, that's like one of my key tasks within um, my, my current job. And I'm also in very close talks with Warner since we were acquired by Warner in 2017. So we are now part of that family. So for me, the circle was round again since I started at yes. Warner. So I'm back at Warner again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of where I'm coming from. So that's about. 18 people at the moment. Um, and then we also have somebody who is sort of in the same position as I am, who is heading our social team, uh, team design, video, advertising, since we do literally everything in-house. We are the repertoire owner always. Um, so yeah, we, we need to come up with literally everything from scratch. One-stop shop. One-stop shop. And obviously, we have all the supporting um, departments, like finance, legal, but also A&R, obviously, who, who I really can't call supporting because they're the ones who are actually signing the music, so they're very important. Yeah. 
So we work together very closely. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool bunch of people, all quite young, which is what I like personally. Maybe because I'm not that young myself anymore, so I try to stay young away. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's how it's sort of structured. Well, thank you for that breakdown. Um, so let's jump into the artists that you are currently supporting. One in particular, yeah. and I hope I pronounce this correctly, um, Lumix. Did I yeah. do that correctly? And then Own Boss. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the um whatever you call it, those two dots over the O. I'm like, ooh, do I need an accent for this? I don't know. But um, I mean, I'm not the- even trying myself. Own Boss is fine. <laughs> Great. Uh, I was like, okay, let's let, let's look up everything on YouTube and make sure I pronounce yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I mean, those those two with a couple of their um, singles have been yeah. huge successes. So we really want to dive into those, um, knowing especially how big dance music is, and um, it, not only that, it's it, it seems to be very different amongst uh, within different countries. So yeah. I want to ask you, like, how is the scene in your market and how is dance music different from other genres? I mean, we're in a bit of a different situation than I reckon most of, of the labels are since we do work on a global scale. But if you look at just the Netherlands, where we are based, I mean, dance music is, is huge. We are sort of like the home territory of Martin Garrix, Chesto, Oliver Heldens. There are so many big DJs that are from here, Afrojack, obviously. Um, so I wouldn't say this is where it started. I think that's taking a bit too much credit. But <laughs> definitely uh, a huge, huge scene going on. Also, if you look at the live side of it i mean there's literally a festival every week once the sun starts shining i mean as of last weekend i reckon uh, which is which was the, the easter break then it starts till like i would say the end of september there, there are multiple festivals going on everywhere which is quite remarkable for such a tiny country yeah um, so yeah dance music is it's it's pop it's mainstream it's it's out there yeah for sure it seems that so one single in particular um, that we want to talk through is Thunder um, by Lumix. And um, you've been working on that release even one year after it. Um, yeah. So we, we'd like to understand more like the like your strategy and how, you know, what you developed around that. So if you can kind of give us like a little insight into how you approached that single. Um, I mean, Thunder is a collaboration with um, Gabri Ponte and Lumix. And um, Gabri Ponte, you might know from Eiffel 65. Do you know that song? Yeah. <laughs> really quick fun fact a little bit. When I was in Tulum, for some reason, all of the yeah. girls just started singing that. <laughs> and I haven't heard or thought about that song since like the early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's coincidental right now yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and i mean Gabri still has a huge following also by on its own um he's huge in italy for example and in some surrounding territories uh in europe so we knew that was our starting point um lumix is half uh, austrian half uh, italian so that was like okay um italy Germany, then 
automatically you go to, to France, Benelux, Nordics, so sort of like the, the Central Europe, we were like, that that should be our, our target area, so to say. Um, we always start a release strategy by looking at the data. And I mean, it's, it's an open door. It, everybody does that now, but you have to, especially if you work on a global scale as of spinning. I used to work for Warner in the Netherlands and then it was sort of easy, you know, this is your play fields. Um, There were certain radio stations, there were certain parties you need to know, certain things you can do um, and you get used to that pretty quickly. But if you work on a global scale, then the world is literally yours. So you have to find certain areas that you feel like can get the needle moving because it, it will not make sense to just throw it out there, spend a few bucks here and there and see what it where it ends up. I, I don't I know there are people labels who are doing that and sometimes they might get lucky, but I don't really believe in that. I really feel like we should build artists and build records and that starts with with the data. So that's what we did at first. Um, mark those European territories and it actually started out in the Nordics. They were the first who got radio on board, which we sort of understand um, because sound-wise that makes sense. Um, and once it was shaping up to becoming a hit over there, we moved over to Sweden and then we moved over to Denmark and Finland. So now we had the Nordics in the back. And now it sounds pretty easy. It wasn't that easy because you <laughs> didn't know how to you know, um, talk to the right partners at the right time and spend the right money at the right time and um, set the right target group. Because, I mean, the Nordics are quite a big territory in itself as well. And everybody within the territory likes that music. So it was all sort of, you know, very much pinpointing on what um, can connect the dots in a certain strategy. Uh, it's also, I must say, it's also always a little bit of luck. Sometimes mm -hmm. it connects, sometimes it doesn't. But once you see it connecting, then you have to make sure that you sort of, you know, turn the right buttons and, and make sure it moves further. So after the Nordics, it sort of moved over um, to France then over to the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, and all of a sudden we had the whole of Europe in the back. And again, this sounds easier than it was. It took a lot of time and a lot of effort, not only from us, but also from the artists, because we asked them to work with us. Um, they need to be available for interviews, for content. Um, they need to be available when we need them that's that's sort of key as well because if we are building a story on one hand and the artists are like yeah not really then it doesn't align and it will not happen eventually at all um so yeah and now sort of fast forward to where we are now the track is almost at 300 million streams and lumix will be representing austria during the eurovision song festival wow <laughs> Whoa, that happens quickly. Yeah. 
And so before we get into that 300 million streams, which, ooh, fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, You know, you were talking about how you start off the campaigns with understanding the data. Um, So what tools or what are you doing to actually get a deeper dive into the data? I mean, we are lucky lucky to be part of, of one music group. So we have a lot of tools available. We can see the back end of, of Spotify and what's happening over there. Um, we know what's going on in, in TikTok, you know, how many creations, how many views. Um, we see what's happening on radio across the globe. Um, we see how the track is performing in certain playlists, for example. We see what the exact target audience is. So there is lots of data available. And I think the the biggest challenge in that is to actually connect the data to a certain strategy. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's very easy to take a look at these massive overviews that we receive from an analyst. And you're like, okay, that's interesting. And then you file it into your you know, email box and off you go. That, that's what happened quite a lot. But now we try to force ourselves and our teams to really see, okay, this is what's happening. This is sort of the blueprint. How can we make sure that our marketing is aligned to that? That makes sense. Absolutely. So far for so for each different country or territory, yeah. are you stating that there more than likely is a different strategy? Even yeah. if it's the same campaign, it's a different marketing strategy that you use depending on 100%. that date. 100%. Because every territory is literally different. It's, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense for us to go to the UK market with the same sort of strategy as what we would do uh, in Italy, for example, because it's just a completely different market. Um, So we always make sure to adjust our strategies, but also our content, for example, especially if you look at markets like China, I mean, that's like a completely different ballgame. You can't come up with the stuff that you present in in Europe. You, You have to make sure that it's that it's localized. We are in the, again in the in the lucky position that we are able to work together with Warner as well. So what happens when a track is taking off? Then Warner can raise their hands and say, "We would love to work it locally." So that was the reason that we were able to sort of um, get the ball rolling in the Nordics at first, because the Warner Music teams over there were doing a great job, and they are the ones who actually know their market from A to Z. Mm. That helps. So can you give us an example, like um, what you would do for, or what you have done in like, let's say Austria versus like Italy? Um, I mean, I think if you really want to make a difference. So for example, what we do in, in China, you see there that the artist interaction is very, very important. So you have those social media channels like Douyin and uh, Weibo. And we have our artists participating in certain chat groups. Um, so that gives the defense the opportunity to connect with the artists on like a very sort of personal level. And for the Chinese market, that's that's like gold. That's the best you can have. We've done that a few times with, with an A-Lock release, for example. And we, we literally did it this week. So that's why it's top of my mind. Mm-hmm. And 
and the streams um, when times ten, just because wow. you have that 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 local interaction. Um, in the Nordics, for example, it's way more focused on the relationship that Warner has with the DSPs or what radio is doing. So, so the artist is a bit more on the background. It's more about the song. And again, that differs per project as well, but it's more about the sound than the artist. And in China, I would say, it's very important to build that fan base around the artist before you can make a move within the, um, the sort of DS, DSB environment, if that makes sense again. Sorry, for me, it's always, you know, it's clear, but then I explain to people and people might be like, no clue what you're talking about. So please let me know if it's not clear. <laughs> That's a great thing about everything being in this digital space, like it really breaks down borders like that, yes. makes things a little bit more obtainable. Yeah, it's very cool, actually. Yeah. And it just gives you the opportunity to all of a sudden create global hits instead of just local hits. And it's very cool to be able to conquer territory by territory by territory. You see the streams growing. And I don't know, it's in the end, we're all in here to win, right? We're all in here to, to create hits. So it's actually, it's the best thing if that actually happens. So um, I'm happy you brought that up because I was actually interested. When when do you know when something has been taking off in one market? When, when do you know when it's time to go to the next? We usually look at uh, week-on-week growth numbers in, in certain territories. So if we see... A certain territory moving and we see the surrounding ones sort of making their first moves uh, we reach out to to those markets and see what we can do to push it up even further for example uh, but it can also for example be a huge radio ad or a huge playlist ad within spotify if you get a flagship playlist in a certain territory then that's definitely munition um, to go back to your partners Mm. So it all depends, but again, the data is everything in this. Yeah. Yeah. The data never lies. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no. um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and I think it's a fine line to sort of decide on which tracks you want to sort of hold close to your chest and want to keep working on uh, and when you let one go because sometimes you can also hold on too long and it doesn't get you anywhere so you spend a lot of resources on something that's not going to happen but you also don't want to let go too soon because maybe you miss out on an opportunity that's also sort of a challenge and a balance in our work as well So what would you say for um, for Thunder by Lumax in particular, um, what would you attribute to the success of this particular single? What we have contributed. Yeah. What would you say was most critical in the strategy um, that you would attribute to their success? I think timing in with this release was everything. Just making a certain move at a certain time um not too soon not too late um 
make sure where you want to spend your money on. Because I think people sometimes expect that spinning has these huge budgets. It's not the case. We actually don't spend that much money. You just have to spend it wisely. (laughs) It's most important. And I mean, I must say, maybe that's a bit unfair because we have the advantage of having Warner, but also being a brand ourselves. You know, we have a huge Instagram channel. We have a YouTube channel, which almost, with almost 30 million followers. So, you know, we subscribe. So we can move the needle a bit ourselves, which makes it a bit easier, so to say. This might be a little bit of a loaded question, but how do you know when the right time Um, is for scheduling a certain paid advertisement or a certain strategy. Are you guys planning this beforehand and kind of moving the needle depending on the streaming? Okay. Yes, yes. Um, I don't think it's wise to spend a huge amount of, of budgets on an artist that doesn't really have a fan base yet. I think it's important to build that fan base and not buy a fan base. Um, I think what we do is very deep targeting. Yeah, and create our, our own little groups where we spend our money on. Upfront, sometimes if you do certain pre-save campaigns, for example, on Spotify, we do that. Uh, on the release, yeah, we always spend some money because we just want to make sure that there's a certain level of awareness around the single. Uh, and afterward, it, it depends on how the track is moving and how the track is going and in which territories and in which target groups, etc. That makes a lot of sense. And when you say highly targeted, like um, in this case, what do you mean by that? Um just sort of create your your target group you know what what kind of people do you want to i would just want to say attack but that's not the right word <laughs> <laughs> maybe attract yeah instead. <laughs> um there are there is a certain in the case of lumix and javi Bonte, there was a certain fan base already so we wanted to activate them but we also wanted to take it a bit more broad because in the end we are here for world domination right so we need <laughs> to get broader than just the the existing fan base um and then you make some you know blueprints of of the current fan base and and see how you can promote that further if that again makes sense yeah it definitely does and this is really exciting because i just want to give a quick like overview of like the platinum and the peaks that have been happening. I mean, it has been in quite a few countries in Europe and just major kudos because um, that's incredible to see really. Thank you. Throughout your career, what would you say is the best advice that you've received or that you give to others? Oh, that's always a good question. Um, I, I mean... <sighs> Maybe for me, it's easy to talk because I'm literally doing what I wanted to do when I was younger. So if you're passionate about something 
and it's I mean it's always sort of a cliche to say then it doesn't feel like you're working because in the end we are working and sometimes it's very stressful as well <laughs> so it's not only sort of fun um, but if you do what you what you love then that makes your life a whole lot easier and I would say maybe as a woman stay true to yourself and believe in yourself yeah yeah and I just want to make a note um I love how in this episode we really discussed by looking at the data because I think a lot of people or a lot of our listeners might think that one certain strategy will work across the entire globe. Yeah. yeah. And I I really do not think that, you know, a lot of people know what to do with that data or how to even create something yeah. around that. Even if it doesn't cost, you know, a lot of money, you can start, you know, smaller. Um, yeah. And then, and then when you made a note that it really does depend about how many fans they have and kind of still building up that social and the content um, yeah. before, you know, you even start bringing out these strategies. I think that's very important. Yeah, I agree. And I would yeah. say too, I mean, we've talked about this in many episodes prior. There's so many available resources, even to those that are DIY, if you will, as they're yeah. building themselves up yeah. in this digital world. Um, and, you know, it's not as simple as like, I mean, yes, I'm sure a lot of people are following their gut and get lucky, but, you know, if you feel like nothing's happening and you're doing the same thing over and over again, that's a problem. Uh, it's willing to pivot. Like, I'm sure that you come across a lot of campaigns that you think will work, but then in this crazy marketing world, like yeah. it doesn't take off like you expect. So you're going to have to change. hundred percent. I mean, we work around 20 records each week. That's our release frequency. So it's, it's quite a lot. And we are very realistic about that. And you hear certain tracks and you're like, oh my God, that's a hit. And it doesn't do anything. <laughs> Maybe that's the reason why I'm not an A&R uh, and in marketing. <laughs> and sometimes you hear certain tracks and you're like, I don't know about that. And those become the biggest hits ever. You know, music, music is emotion. And sometimes it connects with people and sometimes it doesn't. And then you can spend thousands of dollars on it but if it's not connecting it's not connecting and I feel like that's the moment to let go and move on to the next one but if you feel like it is connecting with a certain fan base when you certain territory then we have to you know go there and and start there and build from there yes and I think that's probably the hardest the hardest part about like doing everything yourself before working with a team like you is like separating yourself from your music because it's just like that. If you hold on too long, it'll probably cause more problems for yourself than if you like pivot yeah. onto a different one. Yeah, hundred percent. And I can imagine for an artist, it's even harder because it's their baby. You know, they are the ones who actually created it. Yes. And then see that it's not connecting. I can imagine how that must must feel. Yes. It, music is so weird like that. And I think the way you 
um, described it is perfect. Like it's emotional and we can't describe our emotions and we can't describe why we love things as much. So it really hits differently than sometimes what we think. Do you have any particular books or resources that helped you navigate um, through the industry as you were building your career that we that you could share? What I do, what I do to, to, to sort of try to um, stay up with everything and and make sure that I'm aware of certain trends are blogs like Music Business Worldwide, Music Alley, Digital Music News. That's Billboard. That that's where I look all the time. I literally do around every morning to see if something's up or if anything, you know, if there are any changes that are taking place within companies or I don't know if certain companies were acquired or rolling out new futures or certain trends that are happening on TikTok, for example. I think that's that's the best for now because it goes so fast and a, a book always feels a bit sort right. of old already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a really good point, really. And um, I... I I think you're absolutely right. Like knowledge changes, things change so quickly that books might just, you know, be a little bit delayed in the publishing process. Yes. Yeah. And probably there are a few good ones, I reckon. I've read a few. I'm just going to come up with the name, but maybe that says it all. (laughs) Um, And I feel like, you know, those those blogs just keep this, keep me on my toes. You always have a, you know, you know what's you know what's going on. I would recommend those. Yeah, I always say journalists have it like they must. They're very challenged all the time because I can't imagine yes. the new content that they always have to come out with. Yeah, yes, it's it's crazy. And I always, I mean, I also love doing conferences like the Amsterdam Dance Event and IMS and Abitza next week, and you know things like that where the the industry gathers and you you, you just sit in certain panels and and you know. You, you talk with each other and communicate with each other and learn from each other again. That's always very helpful as well. That's why I'm constantly, constantly joining a bunch of, a bunch of groups on LinkedIn because yeah. those communities are constantly updating me. Even if I can't find it myself or don't know what blog to look at um, or Reddit. Sometimes yeah. Reddit gets a little crazy, but yeah. that's kind of how I am because it's a little bit more digestible than sitting down and having to read a book for, you know, several hours. I just yeah. want the summarization of it. And we have one last question. Um, it's our favorite one. What do you want to be known for? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I would like to be known for being a good example, not only for my team, for my daughter, obviously, um, but also for other women within the music industry, because I know it's tough. And especially in dance music, it's very male dominated. And I see more and more women finding their way within the higher regions of certain companies and I can only applaud that so I can hope I just hope I can be an example for younger people trying to make it in the music industry within a few years not now but within a few years (laughs) 
And um, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how old is your daughter? Uh, she's four, almost five. Oh my gosh, you are probably very busy. <laughs> uh, yes, she is a handful, that's for sure. Uh, but it's also the best thing. And to be honest, it's kind of um, made sure that the work personal life balance is more in place because I intended to work like always because yeah, why not? You know, yeah. it, was, it was possible. But now at night, I need to feed her. I need to bring her to bed and I need my sleep. <laughs> so that's that helps sort of creating a certain stability maybe even and some calm yeah I think that's something that we all tend to forget especially those working in music um the lack of sleep is a real thing so um I'm hoping that you know as the industry evolves that like the work-life balance continues to evolve with that yeah and I think with corona happening which I mean it's, it's still not, not a fun thing, but it it brought us a lot of opportunities because I used to work at the office for five days a week, like straight. And now it's okay if you just come in two times a week and work the rest of the time from home. And mm-hmm. you know, you can do some groceries in between and take an hour extra at night. It's fine. It sort of puts the pressure off a bit, if that makes sense. For sure. I agree with that. I think it helped us reevaluate um, the crazy schedules that we used to have. Yeah. But thank you so much. It was so great chatting with you. So great hearing your story and what's going on at spinning. We really appreciate your time and we just, we're really happy that we got to meet you. Perfect. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com.